Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am your pilot, Van Helsink, right here in Dragon, Massachusetts. And with me, all the way across the pond, is my co-pilot, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good evening. Still, we're still practicing social distancing. Then three thousand four hundred miles. Are you? We are. Yeah, we've always done that. <laughs> not all the time. We've done it from the same sofa. I know it's so much better though when you're not sitting next to me. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways, such uh, a generous host. Why? Thank you. Thank you very much. I try. You know. Hey, do you know what's unusual this time of year? This is uh, the only time of year uh, for the next three weeks, I think, when you're uh, broadcasting and it's daylight, and I'm broadcasting and it's daylight. Uh, Okay, so... uh, Even though it is just after 11 at night, we're still daylight. Still daylight? Uh, Just lucky... We're 51 north. Yeah, you see, we're a good 10 degrees north of you, so... Uh. Yeah. That's good. You get all, you get all the crappy weather we miss. Hey, do you know what we have had? Um, the warmest, sunniest uh, spring since records began. Uh, our normal spring average sunshine is 450 hours, and this year the UK has topped out at 700 hours. Yep. Good. Thank Trump yep. for that. Anyways, moving yeah, right thank along. Thank you, Donald. The Don. Wave a Bible at me, please. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, do we do have a Cures guest everything. tonight. What? What? You still ranting? Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, we do have a guest tonight. Uh, he is uh, a uh, talk show host himself, also a researcher. I guess you call him a researcher. I never know what to call people, you know. A lot of people like to send me these shoes. You never files. normally get the names right. I know, but I got this one. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Now I, I'm, I just second guess myself. I'm not sure now. <laughs> Anyways, joining us now is Mac Mahoney. Oh, God. <laughs> was I close? Uh, Mac Maloney. Maloney. Uh, you know, that was it. You know, I told you That's I second guess myself. Spelling. The Mahoney is the Scottish spelling. We don't want to have anything to do with that. I was doing the Maloney, and, and then I second-guessed myself. So well, uh, I blame you. Maloney. Yeah, there you go. So anyways, uh, why don't you tell, you know, I, I really, you know, butcher introductions. So why, the best person to introduce themselves is the guest. And ooh, tell us what you want our audience to know about you. <laughs> Nothing. No. Good. There um, you go. You see, if yeah, he told just, you, you'd you know, have to I've kill written, you. I've written a bunch of books. That's what I do for a living. I, I write. I'm literally a paperback writer. And, oh, um, he's an author. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And I've been doing it for more than 20 years. And um, 
I've been able, I've been real lucky to like make a living out of it. You know, not many people have been as lucky that. as I have been. You know, and, Steve um, and I are still trying. <laughs> it, it, and it, it's just you know, it, it just stuff fell in the right place. You know, and that's you know, so I've been as I said, I've been lucky to do it as a living, and um, and and by by having kind of like flexible hours for writing, um, mm-hmm. we've been able to like you know do the radio show or the podcast as you said, and then we. We've done like music stuff and everything, so it gives you flexibility to do more than one thing, and that's what's kind of cool about it. So I want to talk a little bit about the radio show because you had an outstanding guest uh, last time. Uh, yep, we uh, had a lot of fun. You were on. Yeah, we had a lot of fun that night. <laughs> it was. I, I oh, really I get it. Song. I get it now. I get. This is a quid pro quo, isn't it? No, not at all. <laughs> no, it is. It's a guy on UFO. Actually, I picked up two guests from that radio show. I was extremely happy because not only do we have Mac, who knows all kinds of stuff about UFOs, former military and so forth, Mm -hmm. but I also picked up, uh, what the heck, Steve, who is an expert on the Mothman. You know, it absolutely, the one thing that that killed me about this show was you all got like, code names or something to screw me up because I didn't know who I was contacting or talking to, so right. I was like totally messed up. Right. We, we don't, yeah. none of us use our, our real names on the show. Yeah. And, um, there's, there's reasons, there, there are reasons for that that, you know, just will, will sound too, uh, you know, um, uh, to even talk yeah. about on the air. But, yeah. yeah, there you go. You know, that's just how it is and, um, and, and, uh, you know, it's it's got away from us a little bit, but everyone has their own like yeah code name. Sure, which uh, is, was confusing. It's hard enough for me to remember regular names, but when I try to match them right. up with code us names, too. we get mixed up. Well. Just take me out and shoot me. I mean, that's the way I look at it. But anyways, so uh, one, they could probably we, arrange that. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's been it's been tried before. Let's put you it that don't way. Who you dealing with these days? All I can say is it's been tried before. Okay, so moving right along, uh, we, we were yeah. talking about the show. Can you tell me, uh, can you tell our listeners what the name of your podcast is? Mac Maloney's Military Exiles. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yep, Mac Maloney's uh, Military Exiles, right. We're still waiting to hear from Fox to sue us <laughs> to stop using X-Files, but so far, no luck. Mm-hmm. And... When you say military uh, X Files, is is there a reason you choose that title? Right. Well, the um, the UFO books that I've written, the first UFO book I wrote. I mean, most of the books that I've written are novels. Okay, they're fiction. But uh-huh. I did do this nonfiction book, UFOs in Wartime, only because I don't know. I had this crazy idea for a long time that people see UFOs more in wartime than in peacetime, and. Ooh. And we made a pretty good case, you know, in the book, UFOs in Wartime. It was by Berkeley Books, Penguin Books. And um, just good the publisher. sheer number of stories that we have in the book, at the end of it, there's no way that you, you, you're not, you know, at least intrigued that maybe during wartime people see UFOs more often than in peacetime, mm-hmm. you know. So um, so that really brought the military angle into it. And, and, and really what happened was I was just kind of doing the talk show, the radio show circuit, plugging that book. And different radio show hosts would, you know, have me back on and so on. And then finally, one network, um, you know, wanted to know if I wanted to show my own. And um, and you saw the result uh, the other night, three years later. 
Yep. Steve, they have they have five co-hosts. I was I was looking at the um, at, at the military X Files radio, and I had to listen to a couple of episodes earlier, and fascinating stuff. Because as you know, I'm a as well as a ghost hunter, I, I've always been a huge aeroplane geek. Yeah, and uh, I was I was intrigued by Commander Cobra though, contract pilot for the U.S. military. Oh yeah, right. right, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that 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 in itself speaks volumes. Yeah, he's on well, the second he loves hour, the right? And, and you know, lots of people write in, want his picture, wearing his helmet, mm-hmm. and his you know, his flight suit, and mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. kind of gone to his head, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here surrounded by lots of ghost stuff, but also lots of bits of UFO stuff and um, and yeah, bits cool. of airplane. I'll tell him uh, he, he has another fan. He does. He does. Another <laughs> um, fanboy. I'll get his autograph. He lives by me, oh, by the way. So oh, yeah. I can. Yeah. I, I will get you a T-shirt, uh, Steve. So uh, you got me, Derek Acora. So uh, I'm good. I'll get you. And his, look what so. happened. And look what happened to Derek after that. He died. That's right. A bad, okay. Yeah, so, that's a bad trade. <laughs> But, so you can say goodbye to Steve. I mean, Cobra. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his ears must be buzzing that we're talking about him, believe me. <laughs> no, it's it's something. I mean, ghosts have always fascinated me. But since I was, uh, when I was two, uh, three years old, my uncle took me to the local airfield. And mm-hmm. uh, that started the other love of my life. Um, me? No. Mm-hmm. Oh. Things with wings. But of course, that grew in during the um, uh, school years. We had a there was quite a lot of UFO uh, flaps in the UK. Um, yep. So this is pre Rendlesham. We're talking about the David the David Triangle, the David Enigma, yes. um, the West Wales sightings, and the the sort of paramilitary aspects of those. And um, I was a, I was a member of the school or the 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 regional uh, UFO society. Uh, because I was the plain geek, and I was really? always the one that went. I was always the one that went. No, it's a civilian one. No, it's a. And I had the radio, of course, so I could listen to them. And uh, in fact, I came back uh, from a trip for, the year before last, one with that big chunk of uh, uh, stainless steel shaped like the Roswell UFO. Yep, yep, yep. Never, never miss a piece of a of, uh, UFO or aeroplane cat. I've got bits of Can I ask you something about England, though? I'm fascinated by England because there's a lot of things about England. There's a lot of history to England. You know, people Mm -hmm. might not realize, but like the Romans ruled England for almost 400 years. You know, it has a longer history than like the United States, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And and therefore, there's like a a lot of very odd things have happened throughout that history in in England. You know, like the ley lines, for instance, and all the stone monuments and. And Crop that kind circles. of stuff, and it's, and it's kind of interesting. But just like a, a you know, like a, a relatively small space, mm-hmm. that you have like so many very strange things happening in the UK. You know, well, they have a queen. <laughs> well, you could have. Did, did you say blame yeah. the queen? What? They no, have the queen, right? No, exactly. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you could have had a queen, but you chose. Uh, you chose yeah, I know. Anyway, yeah, no, we, you're absolutely right. Is, um, you're right. My Max question is, what's with the right. food, you know? I mean, the British food is terrible. Uh, well, yeah, wow. but the Brits, say, the Brits say that about American food. But no, you're absolutely don't. right about uh, no, 
the, the, the island's mysterious history. And there have been a lot of authors, Paul Devereux and others, have written about the supernatural islands. In fact, mm-hmm. it was um, the Romans themselves described yep. Great Britain as being a very different, they identified it as being a very different part of the empire. And they right. gave yes. it the name. Yes. Um, and the, the name England derives from angle which is a bastardization of angel because they said that the native population were blonde blue-eyed and looked like angels mm-hmm. and there was, there's there were, there's a lot of they had uh, nazis back then no there's uh, like my gym there's a, there's a lot of mythology and folklore that connects to there's not very much extraterrestrial folklore but there's a lot of uh, sort of fairy folklore and otherworldly cultural wow, wow. folklore that's associated with wow. the islands some people like that yeah no, I, hey Ryan I guess we can't get them on the English food huh that was a uh, you try you can try I mean which particular aspect of British food uh, well, you never see any British with? restaurants anywhere, ever. Uh, oh, we don't do restaurants. Our national dish is, cu- is, is curry. Yeah, yeah so, uh, but, I mean, you see Irish pubs, but, you see Italian restaurants. You see yeah, but that's all, marketing. Yeah, what, that's all what, marketing. You, wait a minute, we have the British brewery here. Which, yeah, which, oh, not, no, yeah, I went, that doesn't count. We where, where did we go for fish and chips from? That's someplace. Yeah, I didn't pick that. That wasn't no, my I mean, what, what What town was it? In New England, Haverhill. Haverhill. We went to Haverhill, and it was, I live uh, on the uh, on the North Shore. You know, I can. Yeah, you we can't were, trip we, unless you follow. We, we, we were taken. We were taken to this American um, fish and chip restaurant, British fish and chip restaurant, where they they did fish and chips in newspaper, uh, just like the Brits yeah, well, do. Yeah, who uh, would put food yeah, in a newspaper beer, to get that ink all over it? Yeah, and beer battered um, uh, fish. Now. The guy came out, and we do not put fish and chips in newspaper. We never have done. We use it as an well, outer wrapper. Um, I've seen that on, and, uh, I saw it in a Beatle movie. They put the chips, yeah. they put the stuff right in a newspaper. Magic yeah, whiskey we, talk. We, yeah, we, we do for the tourists, but we don't for ourselves. And, because uh, who wants to eat ink? And, uh, yeah, they, they, they served up this traditional British fish and chips, and it was nothing like. Well, that's all nice to do, but we're here to talk about UFOs, not fish okay, and chips. Yeah, so sorry, can we get I'm back to the subject? I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we can have you on the show and you can talk all the, the crap. <laughs> I, love, I love fish and chips. I do. British you know, cuisine. but you know, after that, you kind of draw the line. You know, what's left? <laughs> anyway. Uh, I, I know as, that we've as I had. Keep saying, as I keep saying to Ron Mac, Britain might be a tiny little island about the size of the Florida Panhandle, but our potential. You're not going to shut up, are you? Our potential to cause <laughs> trouble know. is second to none. Anyways, uh, on the previous on a previous show, we had Nick Fold, who was one of the leading ufologists from yeah. the uh, UK, and it's and, drunk. Oh God. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, he is. Uh, you, yeah, you just he like, told to me out of this show, freaking way, thing. Man. Yeah, I've worked with him. He gets drunkies. <laughs> anyway, moving along, uh, you in your book on UFOs in wartime, which is intriguing because Steve and I have talked about it on the show before about okay. some of the incidents that occurred during World War II, uh, yeah. and uh, I just wanted to know what, what which ones that intrigued you. Uh, 
Well, there's like there's a number of them because like in World War II, what people referred to as UFOs were what they called them back then, Foo Fighters. Yeah. And basically, that was like anything that anyone saw in the sky that just couldn't be identified. Let's say, let's put it at that, right? But you know, as the war progressed, and you know, people saw you know more of these things. The Allies were convinced that they were German secret weapons, but after the war. It turned out that the Germans were th- the Germans saw them too, and they thought they were Allied secret weapons. And it's like, you know, well, what were they? We don't know. And boom, that was kind of like the end of it. So, like, the whole kind of Foo Fighter thing is really interesting. But if you if you look into like kind of like separate in, in UFOs in one time, we have like 350 different stories, and maybe 50 of them have to do with the Foo Fighters. But one of them is the story about uh, the name of the airplane was B-17. It's called the Lone Wolf. Now, this is towards the end of the war. It took off at the in, in, in Italy after the Allies had taken over Italy, and, and what they were used to is at night they would send out just like one bomber, and in the cover of night it would like bomb a railroad a railroad like transfer station and just screw up the railway lines for a long time. So that's what this thing was doing, and it went in, it did, did its bombing run, and it got shot at. But as it was turned to go back home, back to Italy, it was in Austria. The the, the Tiger was, but as it was flying back to Italy. It noticed this like big silver ball, you know, like following it, following it, flying in tandem with it for three hours until it landed in Italy. And then as soon as it started kind of descend, this thing just kind of flew off at a great speed. Now, you know, what was that? What is that? I mean, you know, it's not a balloon because it, it couldn't keep up with a B-17 going maybe 215 miles an hour. Um uh, you know, it's nothing that we, yeah, the, the Allies, would have. It's nothing the Germans would have because you know we would have, we would have been able to um, take advantage of any kind of, we, and we did any kind of German kind of scientific data after the war. They didn't know what it was. We didn't know what it was. We still don't know what it was. But you know, like stories like that intrigue me. Just like kind of like well, little kind of small stories, you know. And, and, and devil's advocate, couldn't it, couldn't that be a natural phenomenon that we're just not cognizant of? Well. Well, that's, like some type I think of that's probably, echo yeah, and, I think and right, yeah. inversion or I mean, something? It, it's something that, it, 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 there's a very good chance it's natural phenomena that we, as as the human race is right now, we are, we are not of a high enough level to, to realize what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm quite familiar. I, I, I kind of know about this case. Wasn't this the, the bomb was called the Old Crow? It was a Joe uh, Crow, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, it was on, a, it was on, the mission was called the Lone Wolf Mission, wasn't it? Yeah, right, Lone um, Wolf Missions. Yeah, to go up, which is kind of intriguing in itself, because, you know, I mean, you don't really want to be flying in any any airplane like that at night. And, um, well, I, I mean, the RF had in one plane years, so. and just dropping a bunch of bombs, just like as a harassment thing, and if you hit the right target, yeah, you do the work of uh, 50 bombers, you know. Uh-huh. I know at the time, if 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 my uh, recollection serves me, that the crew actually thought that they were dealing with a, an attacking Nazi aircraft, but um, the captain of the bomber uh, was convinced that it wasn't because there was it was it demonstrated nothing hostile. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just went along with them. Um, right. I think yeah. it, they describe yeah. it as something as circular, about ten feet across and mm-hmm. orange. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things cited like that with the same description. And, and one interesting mm-hmm. too, thing, too, you know, just talking about the Foo Fighters in World War II, um, 
is, uh, and we just found this out just you know during the research in the book, is that there's like almost no uh, anecdotal evidence or stories um, of in World War II of, of UFOs or Foo Fighters taking some kind of an aggressive action against us or the Germans or anyone. Um, mm-hmm. They really, if you if you look at it, it, it really becomes apparent that they're observing stuff, you know, close up, but observing stuff. Uh, they never mm-hmm. shot at our bombers. We shot at them, but they never shot back. And, um, you know, there's a number of stories like uh, like that of, of where they were just kind of benign. And, you know, maybe, we, maybe uh, they had maybe they had no uh, offensive weapons uh, on these. Well, it, they didn't need them. Because we never shot any of them down, so they didn't need them, you know. Um, right, and, it, and, well, it, and it, you it, mentioned it, it, you mentioned the Germans several times, but were they also the Foo Fighters also seen in the Pacific as well? Yes, yeah, that's what's interesting too about this whole TikTok uh, UFO uh, videos that have come out in the past couple of years, is that where the U.S. Air Force, which was basically the Army Air Force during World War II, and it turned into the Air Force in the late forties, they kind of released. Uh, all their reports on Foo Fighters from uh, World War II. This is the 8th Air Force in England. And and it's just really a lot of, like, I spot a mysterious light this time, this time, and, and not, not really a lot of distinct stuff. But there was just as many Foo Fighter reports in the Pacific. I mean, and some of them are, like, really crazy. It just, you know, like of objects moving at, at more than supersonic speed and stuff like that. And... Um, the Navy, which was the Pacific War in, in World War II, was principally a Navy war. They never released any of their uh, Foo Fighter material uh, to this day. And it's just so, it, so the Navy has always been closed lip about what happened with them, Foo Fighters in World War II, yet they're the ones who seem to be beating this drum with these Tic Tac videos, uh, which were, were bouncing around the Internet for the past five or six years. So we don't really understand why the Navy wants to get on board with something that's you know, has been kind of worn to death on the internet. You know, mm-hmm. I, as I recall, um, these Foo Fighters weren't just seen by uh, by pilots either. Um, there's there's a sighting I remember um, from the uh, beach landing at Omaha Beach on D-Day, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it was uh, a U.S. Uh, reporter accompanying the troops. Uh, described a pulsating red fireball that was uh, cruising mm-hmm. back and forth and then hovering over Omaha Beach, um, right. which the British had suggested might have been a, v, a V1, but there was no evidence for that. Mm-hmm. But then this thing, this thing apparently was moving and then it would stop and it would hover and then it would... And it, apparently it stayed for 20 minutes, half an hour, something like that, over the beach mm-hmm. before it disappeared. So, I mean, they, it, it was re- listed as a Foo Fighter even though it was a ground sighting. So, you know, we have mm-hmm. these... You know these conundrums, but as you, as you say, the most intriguing is the ones that are coming now from the U.S. Navy, which right, you know this, right. this sort of footage It kind of it's odd that the you know the the, the British Royal Navy, um, you know, released their files on you know their encounters, mm-hmm. um, you know, with with Foo Fighters uh, during World War Two in the in the Pacific, um, but you know, above and beyond things like. Just like uh, at one point, like a thousand different objects showed up on on radar, um, mm-hmm. uh, thinking that there was some just you know unbelievable aerial invasion coming. This was like right around Okinawa days when the war was like almost over, 
Um, they used to call them ghost, tra uh, ghost tracks. Uh, when submarines, our submarines got up close to Japan, their radar started going crazy where it looked like, as I said, like hundreds of airplanes coming to attack the, uh, the, the fleet and things like that. Okay. Um, just like a lot of really kind of odd, odd stuff. And, and then at the end of it, uh, we know this for a fact, at least that when they sat down with the Japanese admirals, let's say after the hostilities was over, you know, it was the same thing. You know, we thought, we saw these things too. We thought that they were, um, you know, they were yours, you know. So everyone thought it was someone else's uh, kind of, um, you know, mm -hmm. secret weapons. But the thing is, as you were saying, over Omaha Beach and during those days, everything is like chaotic during combat. You know, stuff is going on. You can't keep track of what's going on. You know, but people did see, like, strange objects in the sky and on D-Day morning, which is really kind of bizarre when you think about it. It's 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 incredible. Um, with your, um, we have these these sort of encounters. Does do they could then continue through Korea and into Vietnam? Uh, UFOs, you mean? Yeah. <clears throat> In Vietnam, Vietnam is a very strange. You know, the whole idea of the Vietnam War was very kind of misguided, and um, you know, while it was going on, like a lot of very odd things happened and. You know, I mean, one of the, the oddest things, I guess, is that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the U.S. troops over there didn't want to be there. There's a lot of drug abuse, et cetera, et cetera. However, um, you know, there are some reports from uh, from Vietnam that, you know, the people, the skeptics in the past have said, well, this has to be, you know, due to drug use. But, it, you know, it can't be, uh, you know, solely to drug use. For instance, uh, there's a place called Nha Trang. And uh, in 1965, it was an American base. They were showing a movie outside at an air base uh, to the troops. There's like a thousand people in the audience. And the projector and the generator running the projector went dead. And everyone in this audience kind of looked up and they could see this bright, bright yellow light coming straight down at them. Now they think it's some kind of a, you know, uh, Nazi's attack or something, you know. And, you know, everyone goes into the you know, DEF CON mode and stuff. But the light just stopped right above the base, kind of hovered there for a while, shut off all machinery on the base, and then, boom, took off. Now, there's an instance where you have, like, a 1,000 people who, mm -hmm. you know, saw this thing. They, the Air Force sent in investigators, um, you know, different uh, back then, the equivalent of MUFON sent in investigators. No one ever figured out. What it was, but what everyone agreed on was that the movie projector stalled, the generator stalled, an airplane stalled out the, out the runway, a bulldozer, everything mechanical shut off for a couple of minutes. Well, yeah, you know you what the weird thing up. about that? Hoax, you know, how, do you, how, do you, how can you say that a thousand people are making up the same thing? Right. Anyways, we do have to take a break right now, but the odd thing about it, the movie they was playing was The Day the Earth Stood Still. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and of course, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group on 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. Our special guest today is Mac Maloney, and we'll be right back after the following massages. I can't believe you remembered the, the sponsor. Oh, stop it. <laughs>
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back to part two of the international edition of Ghost Chronicles International. And, uh, you know, before we bring in the guest, I'm just curious as to why the producer's playing with his knob. But there we are. Our guest tonight is Mac Maloney, um, author of... Uh, you watched it. In... It's Maloney. Malo- did I? Th- what did I say? You said Mahoney. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Baloney. <Gotcha. laughs> author of over 50 books. Um... But tonight, uh, I'm, ke- I'm trying to keep him on track with uh, UFOs and another fascinating book uh, that Max written, uh, Haunted Universe, which sounds uh, right yeah. up my street as a ghost show. Another show, another time. Another about. show, another show. Well, it's got you know UFO UFO trailing in Chile. I'm just reading the trailer for the uh, for the Haunted Universe book. Oh, okay. Um, which looks fascinating, actually. So uh, before you uh, before we go yeah. on, I'll let you, you go any way you want, Steve. I have one quick question for uh, Mac, and that is, um, what's your thoughts on the Battle of Los Angeles? Well, um, you know, obviously something happened. You know, um, I'm sure people know. You know that that particular night, February, mid February, in 1942. Something flew, or some things flew over Los Angeles enough for all the anti-aircraft guns on the on the ground there to open up on it. You know, it was just shortly after Pearl Harbor. There was a lot of defense plants in L.A. at the time. And they Americans are far from trigger there's a, happy. There's a picture of them shooting at what looks like a really big UFO. Is that a real picture? That's a real picture because, <clears throat> I'll tell you why, um... Because for UFOs in wartime, we had to buy the rights for the picture from the LA <laughs> Times. Yep. Yep. And it was, uh, you know, it was uh, five Benjamins, if you know what I mean. And oh, God I don't bless think, us. <laughs> I don't think that they could charge for that if they didn't, um, if, if they weren't convinced that it was a real picture. Mm. You know, that's kind of cool. Maybe I get get something like that named after me. I mean, Benjamins, I'm talking about. Benjamin, I mean, he yeah. gets, his, his name goes on forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, 
you know, you could get five runs, something special, you know. Five runs? Yeah, we, yeah that's yeah, okay. Five but, runs, you know. Yeah. Wow, five runs. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, one, of those, one of those copper-covered uh, little small yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah, so you, you did, you, that picture is real then. All right, and uh, so. It reminds you, me, that Battle of L.A. always reminds me of a story my grandfather told me when he was in the, because he was in the Navy in the war, and he was charged with uh, minesweeping duties in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And one night, the captain of the minesweeper had uh, gone off into uh, the local town, come back with a lady, and uh, was busying himself, and the, uh, an air raid broke out. And uh, in the height of the air raid, the captain comes scrambling up from underneath, grabs the 20-millimeter gun at the bow of the ship, and starts shooting at stuff, shouting, paratroopers, 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 and shot down a barrage balloon. And it shot down one of the balloon barrage. So uh, the gun was quickly cleaned and cooled, and they all went back to uh, pretending nothing had happened while this balloon, yeah. bur- burning balloon, floated to the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Steve, are you from Liverpool? Uh, originally, yeah. Just really, over the yeah. water from Liverpool. Yeah. The home of those, um, uh, those overrated Beatles? Yeah, I actually went to school with the cousin of one of them. Oh, come on. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Paul McCartney's cousin um, was at the same school as I was. I just kept through reading a book about the, how they, you know, every album, how every album was. I'm a big Beatles fan, and I'm just fascinated by the whole story. Well, go over to Liverpool. There's um, a lot of the Eleanor Rigby statue. You've got Strawberry Fields. You've got the Beatles' know, main probably. exhibition. Um, you know, there's lots of uh, Beatles history there. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep, and everybody knows before. they came down on a UFO. So, moving back to our, came across on the to moving back to our yep. subject of the day, which is UFOs. Uh, or yellow God, submarines. Such, you know what? He's such a fanboy. I don't know why. Damn. <laughs> I could do, I could do the rest. First, of the show it was British the, British food. Could, now it's the Beatles. And, I I could do the rest of the show with my uh, normal uh, Liverpool accent, if you like. There you go. Is that a Gauzer? A Gauzer? Is that what it's it is? Gauss. Scouse. That's it. Okay. So what they call it? We, we, Scouse or something? Scouse. S C O U S E. Scouse. And we all normally talk like that when we're at home. And uh, whenever I go up there, like my mum always, uh, my wife always says to me, "God, you've gone really Scouse again." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric was a Scouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was. He was. Yeah. Anyways, back to UFOs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, in in your well, now that Steve brought it up, why, why don't you uh, ask him a little bit about that Chilean incident, Steve? It wasn't the Chilean one that was fascinating me, actually. Oh, never the... mind. <laughs> okay. No, I was just talking about there was a UFO trail in Chile mentioned in the book, and there's a U.S. Navy super-secret Car- Caribbean base, because here in West Wales, where I live now, we have uh, lots of stories of a super-secret U.S. Navy base. So that's quite fascinating, uh, which is very much associated with a case that I'm sure Mac will be aware of, which is the, the David Enigma, the um, the the Broadhaven Triangle, it's got lots of names, um, which was centred around a U.S. Navy, um, uh, SOSUS, whatever. It was a submarine listening post that was based in the U.K., very, very secret. In fact, it was so secret, when it burnt, when, when it managed to catch fire, because uh, it was located or uh, was located adjacent to a Royal Air Force base, and the Americans managed to set fire to, to their top secret submarine base. Yeah, we always do that. And the Royal Air Force Fire Brigade offered to come and help, and the Americans said no. 
um, and let it burn because it was uh-huh. so secret. Um, but it's the poop monster that's oh, yeah, got sure. me. Um, the poop monster. I, yeah, you, that's a new one on me. Uh, well, it was not until I saw something on Facebook. Well, I mean, yeah. what happened was uh, it happened in North Carolina, and uh, people started reporting, uh, people who worked in the sewer department started reporting seeing something uh, swimming along in the sewage lines. And you know what happens these days is, uh, it's been happening for a while, is that people buy little pet alligators, and when they get too big, they just let them go. They get uh-huh. down the sewers, and, uh, you know, they live their happy Myth. life, apparently. Myth. So Myth. They, it does an alligator at first, but then it turned out it wasn't. You know, they never really figured out exactly what it was. They took pictures of it, and because it was in the sewer, they called it the poop monster, and then, you know, it went out to sea or something. Yeah. You know that alligators in the sewer is a legend, right? Uh, what are they? Is that that a good place? Alligators in the sewers is a legend. You know that, right? Uh, is it really? Yeah. I think there is actually some genuine historical cases. Very few is the way... There only has to be one. Oh, yeah, but every legend is based on some true fact. But now, because of that, we have everybody flushing their alligators in the sewers, and the sewers are populated by colonies of alligators. Did they find an alligator in the sewers of Methuen or something, in the drain pipe? What, about six inches long? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, actual, uh, an actual but, hey, data. Maybe, I don't know. It, 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 it certainly could be a myth, but you know, UFOs. Not, not is, there is a real one, Ron. Uh, a real alligator found in the New York sewer system in August of 2014. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've 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 got and another one in 1932. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 2014 and 32. How many years is that? No, that's. I'm just. I'm just looking at the. Uh, yeah. Can we go back yeah. to UFOs, please? Sorry. Okay. You raised this issue of it being I a myth. I did not raise it. You're the one who brought up the poo 1984, monster. 1984. That's freaking one. poo monster. So oh, move on, on to U- <laughs> UFOs. Okay. God bless us. Anyways, uh, Mac, so have yeah. uh, you ever had your own experience with uh, UFOs? No. You know, that's the funny thing about it is that um, hmm. we talk about this on the show all the time is that I, I feel I've, I'm becoming – I'm coming around to believing that certain people are just fated to see UFOs in their life, and certain people are not. And I don't feel like I am one of the people who's going to see one because I've been interested in them for so long. In a way, I'm kind of always looking for them. And when you talk to people who have had real UFO experiences, it's always like, hey, I didn't know, you know, I wasn't looking for it. It just came out of the blue. A lot of people become believers when they see that if, you know, when they have their first or they have a UFO experience, they might not believe in them before. It's a surprise. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's I can't in, it's say interesting it's real because quick. We were down on the beach out. once. This, this is a few years ago. And we live on the North Shore of Boston. Ron, you'll know what I mean. And there's a lot of marshes yep. up around Essex and Ipswich. And, right. and, and we're on the beach, and we can see two sets of life, lights coming right towards us. And it's red, green, and amber. And they're blinking. And they seem to be blinking, two separate zones, but they're blinking kind of randomly. And we're just standing there and going, this is it. We're going to see two UFOs. I was convinced that this was it. And uh, they went over us, and there were two medevac helicopters going to the hospital in Newport. And if they had been 100 yards away, 50 yards away, whatever's at night, I would have said we saw two two UFOs, you know. I, I would have been convinced of it. But that's the closest I've come. 
In reality, though, you, you would have seen the UFOs like, because you couldn't identify them, and, identify, and that's the true right. definition yes. of a UFO. So right, yes. you're not you're not saying it's an alien spacecraft. You're saying right. it's a UFO. You would have seen, yeah, really. If if they hadn't gone right over us, I would have mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I finally saw something," you know. But but I have not I have not seen seen strange things in the sky, but nothing, you know, on the on the same power as people seeing you know, real objects. And, and all the things that kind of happen to people after they have sightings. I, I, I've never experienced that. I don't think I will either. Right. It's interesting that you say about um, how profound the experience is. We have a guy here in the UK who this week, he's very sceptical about most things, in fact cynical about many things, but uh, this week he suddenly lit up on Twitter um, uh, about a UFO sighting he'd had, and um, we, we contacted him. And he described the sighting, and you're absolutely right. It's a completely life-changing experience for him. Right, but Steve, you always say, and it's absolutely true, is that you believe that people see ghosts because they believe they see ghosts, but it doesn't mean that ghosts exist. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I mean, we've got to make the difference between, as you've already made, the difference between an alien from another planet and Mm -hmm. an unidentified object flying. Uh, There are innumerable cases where it's been later traced back. In fact, the CIA actively encouraged it with the uh, U-2 and the F-117 programs. They, They encouraged the misreporting of normal aircraft as UFOs because they right. wanted to That's keep true. cover of the secret aircraft. Absolutely true. I mean, so what, 50s, what is... I was going to say, in the 50s, what they used to do is, in, in, in early 50s, uh, the CIA got involved in UFO investigations, and they were the ones who came up with this idea that to try to inject the ridicule factor into people reporting UFOs, which they were successful and still successful today, but also they knew that if, you know, if if they were flying a secret aircraft at 20,000 feet over Los Angeles and they got a lot of UFO reports uh, and then they, you know, had the plane fly over a week later at 30,000 feet and got kind of some UFO reports and did it the following week at 40,000 feet and got none, they knew they could fly at 40,000 feet. People wouldn't see them. and But they were encouraging people to report them as UFOs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mac, we have the, the UFO phenomena where people see these objects in the sky. But then we go right at, they carry that into alien abductions and cattle mutilations. How do we, how do we go from these objects we can't identify to these other two things, for instance? Well, a, a lot of the stuff, you know, this is my opinion, but a lot of the stuff, you know, callum mutilations and, and, and frankly, abductions, it, it's a lot of BS, you know. It's, it's 90% of everything out there having to do with UFOs is just noise, and it's created by people who are writing books, giving lectures, and so on, where no one is vetting, no one is looking into what they're claiming in the book. Um, so you can say just about anything, especially these days of self-publishing, you know. Okay, so, yeah. you know, you, 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 you have to kind of disregard a lot of those stories. I mean, you know, uh, you know, horses or cattle die out in the range every day. And, you know, you can ask animal experts or whatever is that when the rodents go for a carcass, for whatever reason, they go for the genitals and for the heart and for the lungs and so on. And, 
you know, when you find one of these carcasses that's been dead for a day or two, you know, it, it, it maybe it looks like an incision or whatever. My question is, is why would why would why would the entities that uh, uh, fly UFOs and have this high technology for UFOs? Why would they be screwing around? You know, ripping open cattle. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's just myth built upon myth upon myth. I think the ten percent that that remains is what everyone should be looking into because there are definitely out there some just unexplainable events, unexplainable sightings, that something is going on. You were mentioning ghosts earlier. You know, if, if, if one person has seen an actual ghost, then every ghost story might as well be true. Same thing with mm -hmm. UFOs. If, if only one UFO story is true, then they're all true in a way. And they all can't be hoaxes, so it must be true. Mac, do you have any thoughts? Because very popular at the moment is the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, it's come back up again, and you know it's sort of popped up on social media and on the, the various. Do you have any thoughts on that particular? I don't location? think anything happens out there. I think a lot of that is just made up. Uh huh. I mean, I hate to be you know that guy at the party, but you know you look into it, <laughs> and it's like you know it's, it's just myth upon myth. Well, it just seems that you know somebody's bought it, and now that looks like you know, from my impression, um, it looks like it looks like there's a lot of cashing in going on, um, yeah. and the popularity is growing. And, like and, ghosts, uh, yeah, a bit like ghosts, a bit like buying a haunted museum and trading. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's like so, you know, we used to live in upstate New York, and you go to you know the little towns along Lake Champlain, and Lake Champlain claims to have their own Loch Ness monster. You know, I know. They, uh, I mean, I forget they call him Champ. You, yes. and, and you can you go into these little towns and you can buy tchotchkes and stuff of this little monster, okay? It's the same thing with Skinwalker Ranch. You know, you build up the brand that stuff is happening there and then you buy it or whatever. But I've never seen anything coming out of that place that is that, that you know, display, you know, shows more proof, more scientific evidence mm -hmm. that anything is happening there than any other place. My thing is that was just, I was just because you you you're obviously you've looked into this um, subject in far greater detail, and I was just interested in your take on it because I was getting the strong sense that we're dealing with BS and marketing. Right, but I mean, you know, it's so funny you mentioned uh, Lake Champlain is because I'm doing a documentary on uh, uh, sea serpents or lake monsters, and and I ha I've I've got quite a few eyewitness accounts. Mm -hmm. From I'm people sure who live out there, yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah, there is something out there. What it is 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 the problem. And uh, but anyways, I, you, it's the poop monster. Yeah, I know the poop monster. <laughs> you you mentioned a little bit about you. You thought most alien abductions. I mean, in in New England, of course, we have probably the most famous case of alien abductions uh, with the couple from Derry. I mean, right. do, so do you think that was a a real case, or is that just something that they believed happened? Well, you know, it's hard to say, but what, what you can be sure of is that a lot of the abduction cases that were claimed after that, you know, were made up by people for whatever reason. You know, they're, who knows what their mental status is at the time, but a lot of people want to believe that they've been abducted, and a lot of them lead to think that they've been abducted by this thing called sleep paralysis. Everyone's had it. It's where you just can't quite get out of your, your sleep. And uh, you feel like you're paralyzed, and then you know, you you kind of wake up slowly, let's say. And um, and if you actually if you just kind of wait for a second, it goes away. But a lot of people seem to think this is them really being abducted, and so on. The only intriguing thing 
with induction, uh, abductions for me was that Bud Hopkins and a guy named uh, Mack, uh, John Mack, I think, from Harvard, they were doing studies um, parallel but not interacting with each other, hypnotizing people who claimed that they were abducted. And they did find a couple instances where uh, what they found a lot was that they were telling them the same old story. So a lot of people saw the Betty and Bonnie Hill movie, and right. they transferred it over to their own memories for whatever reason from those. But a couple of things that they said was that, uh, and this came out later after John Mack died, um, was that individuals from different parts of the country who had no contact with each other claimed that when they were abducted by the Greys, that the Greys had tattoos. And I always found that intriguing. I said, well, that's, a, that's an odd thing to make up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, that to me is the only tie that I think, maybe something's going on with abduction, but, you know, frankly, once again, I don't want to be that guy, but, you know, it, it's people who want attention or you know, have some kind of, you know, issues going on in their life, and, you know, we've met them on the show, we've had them on the show, but... Right. So, well, we get we, them on our show, too. I mean, there, there is just as many attention seekers and uh, with, in the ghost hunting uh, community as well. Mm-hmm, sure. You know, people yeah, who want absolutely. their five minutes of uh, of fame or their egos butted. You know, uh, we do have a comment in, in the chat room, and that is that uh, you you when uh, Stephen Scott believes that UFOs are one of of one of our interpretations of a phenomena that we have been witnessing for millennia, and is how we are translating it currently. Uh, other words, this thing has been going on for years, but mm-hmm. uh, we are now translated it in the, our own mindset as fathers, you know, uh, technology-wise versus, like, for instance, in the Bible, they were probably gods, and, the, and right, this, sure. this thing is now their spacecrafts. Right. Uh, yes, people have been seeing them uh, throughout recorded history. And like you say, right, mm-hmm. yeah, now in our modern era... We consider them, you know, little men, green men from Mars. When they were seeing them back in the Roman days and Alexander the Great days, you know, his his, his scribe, re, re, you know, reported seeing UFOs during one of his battles. It's like, um, uh, you know, they were they were flying shields to them. Um, uh, you know, the, when when they saw them in ancient Greece, it was like the the gods punishing them, or there were signs from the gods. It, like you said, it's, it's what we transfer, you know, our own beliefs onto what these things are. But basically what it's been is that people have been seeing lights, objects, flying in the skies, all our recorded history. We, we, we don't know what they are, you know. We don't know what they are. Just like, I mean, real real quick, I'll give the example of, you know, if you go in safari and you're driving around out in the spelt with, in a bus taking pictures or whatever, the lions and stuff, they walk right by those trucks now. They're, they're part of their life, but they don't know what they're doing there. They can't understand what a tourist is or a camera. Or, you know, so, they, it, it, you know, it, it's just happening. They ignore it. That's kind of how UFOs are. We see them. We know they're there. <clears throat> we might not be on the higher level of intelligence to know exactly what they are. And isn't it kind of like the, the parable? I, I forget the, the exact detail of it, but the blind men who feel an elephant and how they come up with different things based on what they're feeling at the time. Like, you know, one of them 
the trunk so it's like snake-like and another one feels yeah we Do you talked about that, that I, on the show the other night if you it's like feeling the the tail of an elephant and telling you what it looks like right um you know it's it's yeah i i think that i think eventually we will find out uh but i don't know when and i don't think right. an american will be the one who discovers it i think they'll be chinese or indian or something yeah or eskimos anyway uh I do have one quick, I know we're running out of time, but are you familiar with the, and I can't remember the, the name, which is a real surprise, uh, about the skull that was found in Mexico, and it's supposedly the skull of a gray, I don't know if you, you I can't yeah. think of the name yeah, of this. The people, they had this distended skulls. Yeah, there's found, one skull that was found. Like in yeah. Central America, South America, you know, that, that, right. that the people have this extended skulls and you know they you know to look at them they look very odd um they look like the alien in the alien movies mm-hmm. but you know once again you know these things myths build up around these things they've taken dna samples of these things they were, they were just you know people who were born with um uh birth defects yeah, that, I mean, that was this. There's one particular one that's it's created, and I can't think of the name. I did a show Monday, uh, a couple of Mondays ago on it, and uh, they uh, they had different experts look at the the skull and and came up with their own opinions. And and a couple of uh, anthropologists uh, said it was a uh, basically a deformity. Another one said that it was uh, oh when you're you're uh, your brain, you know, you have fluid in the brain, it expands. Another, mm-hmm. another couple of them came up with the uh, the uh, carrier. They, they, it's basically a, a a board that they used to strap the babies in in South America when they took them to the fields and stuff. And wow. it was a strap that went across their head and so forth. They they could mm-hmm. uh, uh, do it well. So the, this, even though we have the skull, we we really don't have. It's interpreted on, on by different people in different ways. Medical doctors seen it this way, uh, right. anthropologists seen it another way, and, and of course UFOs are another way. Well, so it would be like of, though, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That's good. No, I, I was going to say, if if some credited doctor was able to take the DNA of these skulls, which they've done, and discovered mm-hmm. that 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 the DNA in there is unlike anything that. Uh, DNA here on Earth, that it must be from outer space or somewhere else, that'd be the, one of the biggest stories of all time. You'll see, that's the thing. The guy who owns the skull now has supposedly done that. First DNA sure. test they did on it was that uh, it was uh, the mother was human and the the uh, father was non-human. And then the next time they did the DNA, they, they had both parents were non-human. So even in that, which was both DNA uh, uh, and analysis, uh, both of them came up with two different things as well. Well, the next time they'll say it was a threesome. You know, it, it's... <laughs> oh, wow. We're out of time. Bummer. Anyways, uh, you've been listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles, and our special guest today has been uh, Mac Maloney. And uh, he is the uh, author and also the host of the Military X-Files. Uh, where can people uh, find out more about you, Mac? Well, they can go to MacMaloney.com, or they can just say to Alexa, play Mac Maloney's Military X-Files on Apple Podcasts. Um, okay. But go to MacMaloney.com, you know, and, and see what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. And Mac just sent me a link to the show that I was on, so I will be putting that up on my Facebook page. It was a funny show. That was a great show you were on there, Ron. Thanks for coming oh. on. Oh, thank you. It was uh, it worked out really great. And uh, feats of memory. What's that? What were you doing? Feats of memory. Yeah, feats of memory. (laughs) Trust me, that's one part of that. I can forget it. (laughs) He is Mr. Memory Man, Ron Colette. Anyways, today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts. And, of course, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group during this lockdown, if that mate of yours has been giving you a hard time it's time to get rid of them go see this group they're compassionate and strong they'll they'll help you out they'll they'll unload you of this heavy load so there you go well they got ar-15s yeah (laughs) (laughs) mac we want to thank you so much for joining us today yeah my pleasure yeah thanks very much and uh check them out mac and i apologize for our food oh it's, it's okay i was um I wasn't kidding. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, so uh, have a good night, everyone. Stay safe and stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation when we talk Mothman. Woo! We'll be right See, back in a little bit. if get the name of the guest on the next show right. Good night, God bless. I do. I do have it. Not his code Moth name, but I have it. Mothman. It's simple. Even I can't screw it. Yeah, Mothman. <laughs> Mothman. Mr. Moth. Mothman. Mothman. Mouthman, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> See you next week. Good night, bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.